All right. Here we go on a Sunday morning in Detroit. I'm Brian Feldman, and this is Out of Line. Uh, yeah, we're in Detroit. We're typically live in the Fox Sports RCG home loans powered by Luminate Bank Studio every Sunday at 8 on Fox Sports Radio 98.9 FM at 1340 AM Las Vegas, flagship of the Vegas Golden Knights and sister station of Raiders Nation Radio and ESPN Las Vegas. However, today... We are in Detroit, as I said, and uh, it's cold. I'm, I'm in a beautiful place right now. I'm at uh, the owner of Fanatic U Store's uh, man cave in his basement, and I've never seen anything like it. I wish I could show you around this place. You can see behind me just a little bit. Uh, you see Max Scherzer, and it's kind of cool if you look at the two numbers. It's because of his two different eye colors. And Greg made this jersey up a while ago. Of course, Scherzer signed this one back when he was playing for Detroit. And then on this side over here, you see Thomas Holmstrom celebrating a Red Wings goal. And if you can see that right there, that's Kid Rock on the glass. And uh, signed by both. It's pretty cool. Just typical of Greg. And so many things. If I was to turn this around from a Babe Ruth autograph baseball, you wouldn't believe it. But enough about that. Let's get back to the show. The we also includes our social media director, Spencer the Wiz Ostrowski. Nobody beats the Wiz. Nobody beats the Wiz. And today, our producer, Jared Justice, as good as it gets, and Jared has been on the show and joined us before, helped us out, and he'll be chiming in as well. Um, and aside from producing this show, Jared does a number of things at Lotus Broadcasting, like our regular producer, Chris Chapman. Happy to have Jared with us today. We're also streaming on the LV Sports Network, and you can watch the show on Facebook Live and Twitch. The page is called Ottaline. That's O-U-T-T-A-L-I-N-E. Follow the show on Instagram and Twitter, at Ottaline Fox LV. And since we are live, your calls and questions are welcome. The Fox Sports RCG Home Loans, powered by Luminate Bank Studio Line, is 702-876-1340. Hi, this is Bubby, and it's time for What's on Tap. What's on Tap is brought to you by title sponsor, RCG Home Loans, powered by Luminate Bank. Whether purchasing a new home or refinancing the home you already own, RCG Home Loans, powered by Luminate Bank, is the company to turn to for all of your home financing needs. To get information or to get your questions answered regarding anything mortgage-related, contact the pros at RCG Home Loans, powered by Luminate Bank, today. Um, To be playing for these people here and to be playing for the city this organization um, to be able to enjoy special moments like that, I don't take it for granted. Um, and you know, things happen in weird ways, and uh, you know, it's been a three-year road to get to this point to enjoy that moment. And, um, it was it was a sweet one. But with that being said, we've we've got some more games we want to win now. It's Jared Goff after the game against the Los Angeles Rams last week at Ford Field in the press conference. Uh, Jared, overwhelmed with emotions to a degree, uh, as the fans chowded his name, Jared Goff. They booed Matthew Stafford. It was a surreal environment. Um, I talked to you before the game. I was across the street at Fanatic U, uh, which uh, well, I'll be down there in a little while today. I'm really excited about getting back to the game, getting back to Ford Field, and seeing this divisional round matchup. Um, it's pretty cool. We'll talk a lot about that. You're going to hear an interview I did in the locker room with uh, rookie linebacker Jack Campbell after last week's game. Um, Jack uh, out of Iowa, just like the great tight end Sam Laporta, and this kid is the real deal. I think he's going to be great. It's amazing the draft classes the Lions have had. We'll talk a lot about that as we go on. The Vegas Golden Knights finally kind of getting back to their winning ways, have won a few straight now, um, and seem to be going good, although Vancouver, who's leading the Pacific, just keeps winning as well. Uh, I think they're 8-1-1 one one in their last 10 games. We'll talk a little bit about that during Nightcap. Uh 
UNLV's lost their last, you know, last game on the road. They won in Boise. Uh, but the bottom line is they've been competitive since the turn of this year. Played a really a few lesser lights and was really disappointed at some of their scheduling. But um, they're playing okay. They're playing competitive basketball. And they've got potential to finish maybe in the middle or even to, towards the upper echelon of the Mountain West. I can't believe I'm saying it after witnessing that first game against Southern about um, two months ago. But this is a different team, and they didn't have the Boone brothers when they played Southern. So not fair to judge them based on that game. We'll talk about that as well. And the Raiders, man, they made a decision. They made it early. They made it decisively. Why did they make the decision they made? Well, Spencer is going to fill you in on that, the contract, and uh, what the Raiders can expect going forward. Of course, we'll, we'll talk about yesterday's playoff games, last week's wildcard games, all that um, and more coming up on the show shortly. And, of course, the pig segment at the end where, hey, the cream rises to the top and our our uh, handicapper is leading the pack. And that's what I kind of expected and hoped. And the scooper will be on to give you his pick. You might want to write that down and run to the casino before uh, the game or, or hit your app and uh, get that going. But that is what's on tap if you are looking to buy a home, refinance the home you currently own. Or if you have any mortgage or real estate related questions, contact RCG Home Loans powered by Luminate bank today and uh, you know what Spence guys Jared happy to have you on the show so much to cover today I say we get right into it and go ahead and nightcap Spence hockey players as you know are warriors they don't give up they come to play every game it's time for Nightcap, a cup full of the Vegas Golden Knights from highlights to interviews to special events the puck starts here Man, you know, what do you say about the Golden Knights? Six and four in their last 10. I mean, um, 27, 14, and five overall. Thank God for the hot start they get off to. Struggled a little bit, but Logan Thompson, he's given up four goals in the last three games. Uh, they were down 2 nothing last night. They showed resiliency, came back in the third, and with three unanswered goals and won the game 3-2 to two going away. Uh, that's big for the Golden Knights, and it's something that they needed. And uh, and I think that you know, um, you know, Pittsburgh maybe not the best team in the National Hockey League, but it was a good parameter at home and a good way to finish off uh, a good way to finish off this uh, home stand that they had. Uh, you know, of course they beat the Rangers the other night, and that was pretty soundly five to one. Uh, big win against the Predators on Monday, four to one, and then you know last Saturday we talked about the last losses over a week ago now, which was against Calgary at the T-Mobile Arena a week ago. I am okay with the Vegas Golden Knights. I told you, you know, they're going to need both t- goaltenders healthy. It's good to see Logan Thompson really gaining some momentum and gaining his ground and confidence. This is going to be a long road to haul. And people, I've told you from the beginning, when you are the reigning champion, this is, goes without saying, it's not conventional wisdom or anything like that. It's stuff we all know if we follow professional sports, that there's ebb and flows of games and ebb and flows in seasons. And you're not going to get through a season that's that comprised of 82 games and not have lulls and also not have some highs unless you're either really bad or really good where they're not dramatic lulls and highs and the Golden Knights have a target on their back. When you win the championship the year before, everybody uses you as a measuring stick to how they are the next year. And especially if you're still appearing to be a similar team that you were last year, which the Golden Knights are. Yeah, they're missing Aiden Hill. They've been missing Shea Theater for a while. They need William Carlson uh, playing healthy regularly. You know, those are parts of the season. We've seen that forever. But don't 
worry or sleep on this Vegas Golden Knights team. They are still one of the best teams in the National Hockey League, and provided they get healthy, you look at their top upper echelon players. I mean, Jack Eichel's a top five player in the NHL. I'll argue that with anybody. His skill set is completely elite. I'm not going to say he's Connor McDavid or even Austin Matthews, but will I say he's right behind those guys? Absolutely. Mark Stone, to me, is as good of a captain as there is. He might not be an elite captain as far as scoring-wise, a guy like Connor McDavid or Austin Matthews that just constantly light the lamp. But Mark Stone has all the intangibles that you want of a captain. And I'm telling you what, there's not a captain in the National Hockey League that cares more about his team and especially winning or getting excited than Mark Stone. So don't worry about this Vegas Golden Knights team yet. There is a little bit of concern, but we've seen Logan Thompson start shoring up his ability between the pipes. We know he has that capability. Aiden Hill, when he's back and, and, and ready, which I hope is at some time fairly soon, they are going to be okay. And can they make a run at the Stanley Cup again? Absolutely. I'm sorry if you're looking at this. I know I have people here downstairs looking at it. I might as well show you. Hey, I'm blinged out, man. You know I'm from Detroit. I can't celebrate at the game. This will all be covered up. My credential will be on, and I'll look professional. I'm not going to cheer, but I'm excited. But anyways, as far as the Golden Knights go, don't worry a great deal about them. They are an excellently coached team, an excellent man team, and these guys police themselves. And and uh, you know what? Again. Will they win a Stanley Cup again? They could, but it's really, really hard to repeat. And it's not like there's there's some type of a dynasty type of franchise. What they are is a very successful franchise and a winning organization now in, in their seventh season of the National Hockey League. It's been a magical run. Don't sleep on them. Don't get too upset. This team will be okay. They will make a run in the playoffs. And hey, it's all going to depend on how healthy they are and how they are playing come postseason. If they start clicking like they did last year, their goaltenders uh, become well above average again, this team could repeat as Stanley Cup champions. And I'm not even, I'm not even worried about saying that. I think they still have that kind of potential. Leaving that subject alone, I want to keep moving on and, and getting the ebb and flow of today's show going pretty well. Let's get into UNLV basketball a little bit. Guys, I haven't been able to pay as much attention, obviously, in Detroit as I would like to. I can hear it on the radio. That's the best that I, that I can do. I didn't listen to Friday night's game against Colorado State in the radio. All I did was kind of examine the box score, saw what happened. And, you know, the one thing I will say about looking at the box score and looking at the UNLV LV team is the box score shows that it was a fairly tight game. I mean, UNLV had a lead at, after the first half. They were up by seven points. And, you know, and Colorado State came back in the seventh, the second half. Colorado State is 15-3, and three, and this is no slouch of a basketball team. They are gritty. They are tough. They are uh, they're resilient, and they're a well-coached team. No one, I think, really expected UNLV to win this game on the road, but they lost 78-75, and the Boone brothers are the difference in this team from the beginning of the season to now. And also, Deaton Thomas Jr. has is more Morphing in to the point guard they had hoped he would. Remember, this kid could still be a senior in high school, and he's already playing in college, and he's counted on to be the starting point guard for UNLV, a guy, again, that would still be in high school. Um, but he got 11 points last night. You know, you look at Kalen Boone, 21 points. Kalen Boone, 2014 points. With the Boone brothers in take in place, Deaton Thomas playing good basketball. And a guy like Luis Rodriguez, who has a motor that doesn't stop. Contributions from Justin Webster and Jackie Johnson the third. This team can compete in the Mountain West. Can they compete for a Mountain West title? 
I don't think so. Can they win a game in the Mountain West Tournament? Yeah, and I think they can get to the point where they finish as, as high as maybe even the fourth seed and not have to play in a playing game. But as far as what's going to go on down the road with Kevin Kruger, hey, he has shown us this team is better than we thought they were at the beginning of the season. I've got to give them that. Uh, defensively, they have stepped up their game. And they've got, again, the Boone brothers really, really play well together. And they are team players and truly leaders of this UNLV team, which I think can bode well for them. Um, I don't know if either one of these guys or anyone on this team will play at the next level. But I think they can play at this level in the Mountain West Conference and compete and maybe compete compete to be a middle-of-the-road team, and I think the ceiling with them being honest might even be the fourth seed in the conference. I can't believe I'm saying it now after the beginning of the season, but again, it's a different team. Um, so, uh, you know, UNLV is going to, uh, you know, they're going to go as far as their best players take them, but Kevin Kruger, it is a benchmark season for Kevin Kruger, and when I say a benchmark season, I mean the benchmark is he is going to have to make a postseason tournament. I am guessing the NIT would be okay if maybe UNLV got to host the game and they won one. I think that that would prolong his job and his tenure at UNLV um, as the head basketball coach, but I think it's going to take a postseason berth, and probably you can't go one and done in the in the conference tournament because even if you go one and done in the conference tournament, what will happen is, um, uh, you know, it's it, it just not going to be enough. It's not going to be enough. I don't need to go into that more. We'll talk more about that as I get back in the show next week, but um, UNLV again, uh, next game, they are playing at Air Force. I'll be there back in town. I come I leave to get back there tomorrow now that uh, the uh, 49ers won. And if the Lions win, they will be going out to San Francisco. So no need to stay here any longer and freeze my ass off. I can come back to Vegas. I'll be there Tuesday night to see Air Force play UNLV. And I'll get a better gauge. Air Force is not a good team at all. This is a team UNLV should handle. And based on the way they've been playing, I think a team like Air Force at home is a double-digit victory for this team. We'll see if I'm right or not. And then UNLV goes on the road next Saturday. They'll be playing at San Jose State, um, a team another team that I believe they can play with and beat, but we'll see, you know, time's going to tell with all those stuff. So moving on, um, you know, and again, I, I like the ebb and flow of the show. I'm doing all the talking today and I'd apologize guys, but I want to get to the meat and potatoes. I mean, we are in the NFL playoffs and in the United States, if you are a sports fan, I can't imagine you're not a football fan. And then I'm above that, it's the NFL playoffs. To me, it's the most exciting time of the year. It might be cold outside. I love the NCAA tournament. Never get tired of uh, of talking about uh, March Madness, but my favorite time has always been the NFL playoffs. You know, you do get some lopsided games every now and again, but you also get some really good games. We saw one here in Detroit that went right down to the wire last week between, I mean, he couldn't have written a better story. The two quarterbacks that swapped teams, uh, Matthew Stafford, we all know the story. The first year in LA brings them their first ever Super Bowl. Yes, the Rams won a Super Bowl, but they were the St. Louis Rams. First ever Super Bowl for the Los Angeles Rams. And then Matthew comes back here to play in the playoff game. I saw him in the locker room, listened to him talk a little bit after the game. He wasn't overly discouraged. You know he's happy for this team. Stafford's a really good guy. And after hating him for four hours last Sunday night, I love him. I woke up in the morning and said, you know what? I'm back in love with Matthew Stafford again. If you're a Detroit Lions fan, what he did for this organization, and if you saw the hits and the, the toughness of this 
guy. It's hard not to like him if you like the NFL. Matthew Stafford is a football player, an NFL quarterback, Hall of Famer. Uh, I don't know. He might have to do a little more. But the bottom line is a great quarterback in the history of the National Football League. Up until right now, we'll see what Jared Goff does. But Matthew Stafford was the best quarterback for the Detroit Lions in my lifetime. 0-3 in the playoffs in Detroit, but still his grittiness. The guy did not miss a lot of games. And, and man, I, I just, I'll never forget when he played in that one game and he absolutely had blown out his collarbone. It was broken. And he went on the center and scored a touchdown. Uh, if that doesn't epitomize toughness and grit, nothing does. So, um, you know, again, uh, we've seen some great games and I do want to get to that. But talking about football, Spencer, I'm going to bring you in right now because I know you've been waiting on pins and needles, truly, because Spencer loves the Raiders. Like, uh, I like this team. I can't cheer for him uh, tonight, but I love them. Um, and you've been waiting to find out what would happen. We've gone back and forth, Spencer, a number of times on whether Antonio Pierce would be the guy. He wouldn't be the guy. As soon as all the problems arose at the University of Michigan this year, and especially culminating with the national championship, we're almost all positive Jim Harbaugh is going to make the leap back into the NFL. And the Raiders seem like a potential good fit for him. I mean, they've got some pretty good skill position players at offense, a defense that seems to be improving, that has one of the best edge pass rushers in the National Football League. And a young quarterback that Harbaugh could either choose to try to develop Aiden O'Connell or make some moves and go find a quarterback because a quarterback's pretty good at getting a quarterback. And look what he has done with J.J. McCarthy at Michigan. In my opinion, the best signal caller ever for the Mason Blues. Obviously, Tom Brady played there. There's a bunch of guys who have made the pros. I'm not talking about guys that succeeded on the next level. I'm talking about their play at the University of Michigan. This kid from his freshman year, three straight um, – college uh, CFB playoffs and now a national championship. He elected to go pro. I can't blame him. I think if he would have stayed, he'd been a top 10, maybe a top five draft pick next year. I think he'll go late first round, early second round this year, but I don't blame him for going pro. What more can he accomplish at the collegiate level? And you do risk injury by playing another full season at Michigan. So I don't blame him. Plus you're losing Blake Corum, um, you know, which is one, maybe the best running back they've ever had at the university of Michigan at the collegiate level. So um, Harbaugh, there's nothing more for him to do there. I know it's his alma mater. He beat Ohio state the last three years in a row. That's another thing JJ McCarthy did all three times. JJ played against Ohio state. He beat him. Ryan day's ass is on the hot seat now, even though they're, they're one of the winningest programs in the country, because you got to beat Michigan if you're Ohio state coach and you got to, be at Ohio State if you're a Michigan coach. You heard Charles Woodson interview last week. They loved Harbaugh. He was winning games, but he wasn't winning the game. Well, he won the game three times in a row. I thought he might be a good fit for the Raiders. I also thought that he would be potentially a good fit for, uh, you know, the Chargers. He still may be. I think the Bears are calling potentially Jim Harbaugh because they've got the first and the 10th pick in the draft. They've got a quarterback he can either side dump. A lot of people feel they'll move on from Justin Fields, but Man, you talk about getting set up. That's kind of what Jimmy Johnson did in the late 80s, early 90s with the Dallas Cowboys. He used Herschel Walker to parlay into a bunch of draft picks, got Troy Aikman, Emmett Smith, and the rest is history. Well, you know, I mean, that's something that potentially Harbaugh could look to try to do with Chicago. People are talking about him, go to Atlanta. I don't know what the appeal is there, unless maybe he likes the city of Atlanta. I think they're an improving football team, but they've got quarterback and all kinds of issues themselves. I don't think Taylor Heineke or, uh, or Desmond Ritter are the future for that team. So I don't know if that's where Harbaugh goes. We'll see. The other big name, obviously, Bill Belichick. I had kind of made a false statement last week saying I thought the guy would retire. Um, 
Bill Belichick's not going to retire. The win record is like 15 away, the all-time NFL wins record. The guy's got an ego, a much bigger ego now than he had when he first became the head coach of the Patriots or when he was coaching under Bill Sparcells for, at the, with the New York Giants. Um, he's got a much bigger ego now. You can tell in all of his press conferences. I personally don't like the guy simply because I hate guys with egos that just think they're above the world. Yeah, you're the GOAT, Bill Belichick. They'll probably change the Super Bowl trophy's name when you retire to the Lombardi-Belichick trophy. They should. I mean, the guy's got, what, six Super Bowls as a head coach? Um, that warrants to me, and, and, and Lombardi's got two. Granted, Lombardi was 2-0 and oh in the Super Bowl and has NFL championships prior to the Super Bowl era, but... Um, you got to put Belichick's name on that trophy. So I don't see him retiring. I don't think anyone else does. He's going to go somewhere. We'll find out probably pretty soon where he's going to go. But one place he's not going, Spencer, is the Las Vegas Raiders because the Raiders decided to remove the interim tag off the off of Antonio Pierce, and he will be their head coach going forward. You can give us the details of everything, but I've really been waiting since I heard a couple days ago that this happened. What your opinion is of this? And I'm going to state mine after I hear yours, and I'll weigh in a little bit more on that because, again, I like the hire, especially when you hear guys like Josh Jacobs, like Devontae Adams, like Max Crosby saying, I would request a trade if you don't hire Antonio Pierce. That was, I mean, come on, you can't get a more ringing endorsement than that from probably and arguably your team's best player. I mean, people might argue Devontae Adams is their best player, but he's a little bit older. Max Crosby is just hitting the prime of his career and his upside is ridiculous. A motor that doesn't quit, as we all know, and a rare thing for a defensive edge rusher. He doesn't leave the field. I don't see Aiden Hutchinson leave the field here a lot in Detroit, but those are two elite edge rushers. And Max Crosby, we know how valuable he is to the Raiders. So he starts talking about being unhappy. Mark Davis is for sure going to listen. But I'll tell you what my problem with Antonio Pierce is after I hear what Spencer has to say. Because again, Spencer, you, you, you eat, breathe, and sleep. Uh, was Oakland Raiders, now Las Vegas Raiders. What do you think of the hire? And um, can Antonio Pierce restore what the Raiders are trying to get done going forward? I don't know. I, I'm, all I can say is I've never seen it in my life. Well, that's not true. When I was five years old, my first memory as a Raiders fan is watching or, uh, you know, having them getting blown out in the Super Bowl. And since then, it's been nothing. I have seen literally nothing since. Maybe going through the playoffs twice. So I don't know about winning ways for Raider Nation. I've never seen it myself. I love going back and watching that Minnesota Super Bowl. But yeah, I don't know. I think Mark Davis definitely got pressured into making this higher, in my opinion. Raider Nation was like on edge. Everybody wanted Antonio Pierce. And I guess I'm not going to say that I really didn't want them to, but I would have loved to see them hire a GM first. I know that Champ Kelly and Dobbs are in the mix, and some of them are even saying that they're going to join together as a team. Dobbs is like really sought after in the GM position. He's interviewed a bunch of times. I haven't heard Champ Kelly's name be interviewed a bunch, but I don't know. I think the GM should be the one who hires a head coach. I mean, if Champ Kelly was hired, I'm 99.9% .9 sure he would go for Antonio Pierce. But it's still weird to see that a head coach is hired and they're still trying to decide who the GM is going to be. This does feel very different to me than with Rich Passaccia. Everyone was freaking out when that happened. They made the, He made the objective right decision not to hire Passaccia. If he was so good and so sought after, he'd be a head coach somewhere. He's He can't even get an upgrade. Uh, this guy is still a special team coach for the Green Bay Packers, and I think he's going to, you know, I love Rich Passaccia. Don't get me wrong. He was great, really good little interim head coach. Everybody loved him. But you can say the same thing about Antonio Pierce, but the difference is that Antonio Pierce 
is like an actual like football mind. This guy looks like he can at least lead a defense, kind of similar to how the Steelers do it, right? He's not going to call the plays anytime soon. But the one thing and that pretty much relates to what I'm saying here is this guy's not an offensive mind. Antonio Pierce is never going to be on the sideline calling plays from a play sheet, which is fine. I think you can have a very successful team that way, although it's going to be hard, right? The best head coaches in the NFL are the signal callers. So the offensive coordinator position is by far the most important. They can't roll back with the guy they had last year. He was okay in certain spots, terrible in the second half, could make no adjustments, and it killed us in all those games. We went five and fourth, Antonio Pierce. The one name that I've heard the most is Cliff Kingsbury. If you can get Cliff Kingsbury as your offensive coordinator, okay, I'm starting to look a lot more confident, but I'm nervous. That's all I'm going to say. I love Antonio Pierce. The guy's cool. He gets the guys galvanized. All of those things are great as a head coach. But at the same time, you're going to be playing some very organized football teams. And if you're going to try to go back with Bo again, an offensive coordinator, you're going to have another 500 season, which is just the story of my life. There's not a lot of seasons growing up where I saw the Raiders, you know, bottom out. The one season they did was Jamarcus Russell season, right? When they, you know, the, the season prior. I mean, I've seen Carson Palmer go eight and eight. I've seen Jason Campbell go eight and eight. And here we are again in 2023. The Raiders are just floating around 500. They miss a playoffs because they can't get the 10th win. They have dumb losses. And that sucks. Now, uh, one more thing I'll say about Antonio Pierce for I'll bounce it back to you is I kind of felt like he got the job when he went into Kansas City and beat them. I mean, the Raiders just have not been able to beat Patrick Mahomes, and they dominated that game. And that's really great to see. Andy Reid has embarrassed the Raiders over and over and over again. It hasn't been really a series at all. And now it feels like one. So it's cool that the Raiders are playing with this toughness. Patrick Graham is like the number one priority, and I'm sure, I'm sure that because Antonio Pierce is here, Patrick Graham will stay unless he gets a head coaching job, which is very possible. Patrick Graham was like incredible as defensive coordinator last year. I couldn't believe it. It was the best defense I've seen from the Raiders maybe in my lifetime, like since Namdi Asama played cornerback for the Raiders all those years ago. So I guess I'm happy about it, um, but I'm like optimistically nervous. That's probably the best way I can describe the Antonio Pierce situation. Spence, I get it. Uh, you didn't mention his contract. By the way, check your. I just sent you a text with a couple of pictures that I want you to display when I am talking when I get done about the Raiders. So check that out. But real quickly, the contract that Antonio Pierce has, is it something that you feel it's kind of Mark Davis checking out the situation, giving himself an out? Or do you think he's making a commitment to Tony Antonio Pierce to give him three, four seasons as the head coach to turn this around? I haven't seen the contract details. I've looked over the past couple of days. It's kind of like hush, hush. If I'm not mistaken, maybe I'm wrong, but all I know is that they did hire him. It's official, but I think maybe they're like waiting for the GM hire to go through. I have looked this morning. If you've seen something, let me know, but I have not seen like the literal contract details. I don't know how long it's for, or I mean, I don't think the money will ever really come out. I mean, sometimes they do that, but yeah, I don't, I don't know how much money he's making and I don't know how long it's for. Well, it's going to be interesting. I'm sure all those details, you know, they have to expose that and we'll know pretty soon. Once again, you are listening to Out of Line here live on Fox Sports Radio, Las Vegas, 98.9 FM, 1340 AM. I'm Brian Feldman. He is Spencer the Wiz Ostrovsky and Jared Justice back in studio manning the wheels of steel. We're looking to get a few players. Hopefully uh, next week, Eric Kramer, he is doing a book signing. He has a new book. And Eric Kramer, of course, the only quarterback before Jared Goff last Sunday that has won a playoff 
playoff game for the Detroit Lions. And that, of course, was back in January of 92 after the 91 season. They beat the Dallas Cowboys and went and lost to the Washington, at the time, Washington Redskins in the NFC Championship game. Well, the Lions are one win away from going back to the NFL NFC Championship game. We'll talk about that in a little bit. Hopefully, Eric will be able to join. Like I said, he's at Hockey Town here, a big cafe, doing a book signing right now. So I'll see him down at the at Ford Field and talk to him then. But he's hopefully going to come on the show next week. My good buddy, Pete Kerplevich, who's a former tight end for the Detroit Lions, played with Barry Sanders. Matter of fact, the Detroit Lions have played Tampa Bay twice in the playoffs. Pete played in both of those losses. I remember them well. I think all Lions fans do. We'll see if Pete calls into Jared. Uh, he, I talked to him yesterday. We were going to go down to the stadium. I don't know whether he's sleeping or what's going on. So if he calls in, we'll get Pete to join the show as well. But in the meantime, um, talking about the Raiders, uh, Spence, my feeling. You know, I I didn't mind the tradition after the first win when Antonio Pierce got his first win as that coach. They broke out cigars. That was going to be their thing. It stunk in the locker room. I'm not a cigar guy, but a lot of people are. A lot of the players are. And I didn't mind it. Okay, it was his first game. They were celebrating. They, I think a lot of the players were happy Josh McDaniels was gone. And so it made sense to me. What didn't make sense, and I even argued with a Channel 3 sports anchor, Brian Salmon, on this, that what didn't make sense to me was them celebrating after they won that last game against Denver. I mean, they've got alumni, Jim Plunkett was in the locker room. Uh, you know, you, you, you had, you know, obviously Charles Woodson, that's where I interviewed him. They're smoking cigars. They're celebrating at some older, really older alumni in the locker room in wheelchairs. And so maybe I got that a little bit, but they ended the season, Spencer, eight and nine. Now that there's a 17 game season. So that's one game under 500. If you want to call them 500, because they didn't get a chance to even whatever. The bottom line is I said, what are these guys celebrating? They must have gotten really good tea times tomorrow somewhere because the season is over. You don't light cigars and celebrate a win at the end of the season when the season is over. It looked like the Raiders were celebrating like I saw the Lions celebrating when they knew they won the game to go to the playoffs. Like we saw the Houston Texans celebrating when they punched their ticket. There's no ticket for the Raiders. Now, Brian Selman was saying, look, he said, you know, this is the culture that Antonio Pierce designed. He said, we're going to we're gonna really celebrate our wins. He's an ex-player. Uh, that was his idea. And, you know, he said there were a lot of alumni there that the Raiders invited to endorse Antonio Pierce as the next coach. I understood that thought process, but I still believe that both Mark Davis and John Madden are facing the ground in their graves right now that they flipped over over that. There is no way that would have been okay if, Al, excuse me, Al Davis. If Al Davis is still the owner of this team, Spencer, I want your feeling, man, because you've seen the celebration. I sent you the pictures. If you can put them up and, and get it while you're there and you can see what Max Crosby and them celebrating the locker room, smoking cigars, uh, you know, all the players. You know, they're smoking. Even Charles Woodson's in the background of the one picture where everyone's on their knees. And I just don't get it. I understand. And the other thing Selman said is he said, well, you know, a lot of these guys might not be Raiders next year. So it's the last time they'll be together like this. And they say, say goodbye. Go, go out to lunch. Don't do it in the locker room where the world sees you celebrating a losing season. Now, granted, Antonio Pierce was one game over 500 in his abbreviated tenure this year as interim head coach. I, I get that. But you don't celebrate, you don't celebrate meaningless wins in any sport, especially in the National Football League when you're packing it in for the season. And to see Max Crosby and some of the stars at the forefront of that celebration, Spencer, it disturbed me. Am I wrong to be disturbed about that? 
Uh, I don't know. I mean, I, I do think you're definitely taking it a little too far. Look, they're being the Broncos. It's a division rival. They're keeping the streak going. They're at eight now. I think they're third on the active streak of like most wins against a singular opponent. What if does I'm not beating mistaken. the Broncos do for them? Does it give them a postseason berth? Do they get an extra draft pick? I mean, what does it do for them? Doesn't yeah, but it's it move, what they. It's, doesn't that win move them back in the draft a little bit? Matter of okay, fact, see, you the Broncos in the no, draft. No, that's what I'm. Yeah, so the reality of that win, other than like beating a divisional rival, which is important in my opinion, is that it did. So the Broncos now pick a single pick ahead of them, and the Broncos are also you know hunting for a uh, quarterback. So that. That's really rough. I don't know, you know, if the teams have the same philosophy when it comes to quarterback or even what the Broncos are going to do uh, at the quarterback position. But I don't know. I mean, I think that this is you're going to see this every time that the Raiders yeah, win. This is what they're going to do. Woodson in the back with his dark shirt on celebrating smoking <laughs> a cigar. He's OK with it. So, I mean, how, why should I not be? Is that what you're saying, basically? Yeah, I mean, the team clearly, clearly wants it. The team, I've never seen the team respond like this. The guys, when it came to Rich Passaccia, they want, like, they loved him, but you didn't see this, right? This is different. Not, not the cigar part, but in terms of endorsements, I mean, seeing all these alumni, normally, like, the alumni presence was more, like, towards the preseason, where guys talking about how much they love to be a Raider, but now they feel like an active participant. And this is, like, what it is, and I kind of like that. You know, I was thinking back and really, really reflecting on this time because the Raiders, you know, obviously haven't been in Vegas that long. And I think especially with the hiring of Josh McDaniels, they kind of lost their identity, right? They've been moved around a lot, like in the team history, L.A. and Oakland. And I think when they got to Las Vegas, they didn't know if they were going to be a different kind of team, like ran differently in the way that they just conduct themselves. And I think that Antonio Pierce reminded them what it's like to be a Raider. doesn't matter what city that you're in. It's about the Raider way, and I think he brought that back. Playing tough, physical football. You can't play old-fashioned, right? I hate it when – I, I hate nothing more than when UNLV basketball always talks about the, the running Rebels. Like, you can't just keep doing the running Rebels thing forever, right? you got to have some sort of, like, modern identity. And, you know, I think – but for the Raiders, it's about being tough. It's about playing hard. It's about winning, you know, at, you know, however you can. Hitting guys hard. These are all things that you can do in the modern game of football. And I think Antonio Pierce brought that back. And I think that's really cool. And I think the, the Raiders players responded well. Not only do they really like Antonio Pierce, they love to play for him and they love to have fun. That has been like such a Raiders thing. When you look back, I love watching Raiders documentaries because they stink, right? So I have to go back and look at old times in the 80s to have fun watching the Raiders again. And you look at the locker rooms, and I felt it. Like I feel a connection between those teams in the 80s and the one that I watched this season. And if they want to smoke cigars in the locker room after beating a division rival because they can't beat us for like, what, three years now, three, four years? I think that's a good thing, in my opinion. Spencer, if the Lions were smoking cigars, cigars in the locker room when they lost, maybe because the Raiders have past Super Bowl experience, I would probably grab the cigar and put it out and risk getting my ass beat. That's how much it would disturb me. I am disturbed by it, and I think the reason Antonio Pierce got the job is because of the pressure that Mark Davis oh. felt because when he didn't hire Masaccia, the batch backlash that he got, and he, and it didn't work out with with, with McDaniel, obviously, and uh, and so he's saying, you know, it. Didn't work out with Gruden. So let's leave the, the former NFL coaches, the big names alone, and let's give somebody else a try. But I think it's the pressure from his players. And, yes. you know, how big of an influence did the Raiders players have on Pierce's hiring? Well, Paul Gutierrez said this in the Review Journal, and I like this. Paul Gutierrez, I should say, at ESPN. And he said, I'll answer your question with one of my own. 
How can all pros, Devontae Adams, Josh Jacobs, and three-time Pro Bowler Max Crosby, who went so far as to insinuate on his podcast he'd ask for a trade if Pierce was not retained, possibly be ignored? And uh, and like I said, you can't ignore that. And I think, again, the Versace thing, what happened last time, he didn't want to lose the locker room. He doesn't want his players hating him. Mark Davis does like being a popular owner. The biggest problem with Mark Davis, I think, has always been that Mark Davis wants to be his father. Now, hey, my father's my hero in life, Spencer. I know what your dad means to you. Our fathers should mean a great deal to us, and we should try to emulate their successes and make them proud and what have you. I don't think Al Davis would be proud of some of the decisions his son has made. Not that he wouldn't be proud of Mark. I'm not going to go that far. I'm not even familiar with exactly their relationship. I do know Al left the team to his son, so it had to be decent. But Mark tries too hard to be Al, and Al has been a guy that is always the big name, the flashy stuff. That's Al Davis, just win, baby. But that's the key, just win, baby. Al, that was in front of anything else with Al. Mark is just fit in, baby. That's kind of what I feel with Mark Davis a little bit. You know, he's got a success with the Aces, which is great. Um, and, and he's happy about that. He wants the same success with the Raiders. It's not going to be as easy. And Spencer, I'm going to say flat out, I think Antonio Pierce is a very popular uh, guy. And and, and the, the players want him as a coach. I think he was a solid NFL player when he played in the league and won a Super Bowl with the New York Giants. I am not sold on Antonio Pierce as being a head coach in the National Football League. And I'll tell you what, Spencer, basing it a lot on what I saw at the end, I don't think you advocate and you adhere to and you embrace celebrating a meaningless win, no matter what the reason. I will stick to that till the day that I die. You celebrate winning. As Vince Lombardi said, and I've quoted this a million times, winning isn't everything. It's the only thing. And the key is the other one. Show me a good loser and I'll show you a loser. I don't want to be good losers. I don't want to be a good loser in Detroit anymore. And I don't want to see the Raiders in Las Vegas adopting the motto of mediocrity and being good losers. Not that the Raiders lost. They won that last game. But the season in itself was a loss. Now, I'll say it's a win considering I thought they'd win six games this year, but I also thought Jimmy G was going to be their starting quarterback throughout. And I told you that was my ceiling for Jimmy G. We'll see how it goes. I'm not bummed out or think it's terrible to hire Antonio Pierce. I just thought you needed a little bit more stance to this. And I don't think Mark Davis is trying to say, oh, I made a decisive decision in January so we can move forward and not worry about that. Hire your GM first. And like you said, Spencer, let the GM sit down with you and figure out who is going to be a head coach. Don't hire a GM coach combo like you did. How did that work out with Josh McDaniels and Ziggler? It didn't. So don't do this again. And I, But I, like I said, Football people need to make football decisions. And sometimes the best owners get a little bit more involved because they're too passionate. But the bottom line is, if you look at the best owners, hire real good football people and let them make the decisions. And I think Mark Davis has to become his own man, not try to be his father. And maybe this is an effort to be his own man. And I hope it works out for the, the Raiders and for Mark Davis, because that means it works out for the city of Las Vegas and the Raiders fans. And I want nothing more than that. All right, let's leave that subject alone. And let's get on to something that is, that is more, uh, not more, more important by any means, but we got to get to these NFL playoffs. And I want to start off getting to the NL playoffs. Let's, let's skip over. We'll talk about the playoffs in a minute. 
minute. I'm in Detroit, Spencer, so we'll talk about that more often. All I'm going to say about the other playoffs right now, just in case we don't have time, watching the games yesterday, I saw a couple things. A lot of people think the San Francisco 49ers are vulnerable. They watch the Green Bay Packers. You made a point when we talked before the show that the Packers are better than a lot of people think they are. Well, they've gotten better. You know, the bottom line is Jordan Love has morphed into one of these Green Bay quarterbacks, man. Maybe sitting behind Aaron Rodgers for three years did him a lot more good than we thought. I wasn't sure he was going to be an NFL quarterback. Guess what? He is. And this team is good. And I'll tell you what. I did not realize how good the, the Green Bay secondary was, but they may be the secondary, may have been the sec- best secondary left in the playoffs as, as, until yesterday, um, until they went out. But I like what Green Bay did. They got hot at the end of the season. They beat the Dallas Cowboys. I think Dallas was ripe for the picking. McCarthy's a bad coach, has to go. And Jerry Jones, hopefully he doesn't have the same loyalty he had to Garrett. If you're a Cowboys fan, you want them to get someone in there. Maybe a Bill Belichick. That might be a, a lucrative thing, but can Bill Belichick and Jerry Jones coexist with those two egos? That I don't know. Maybe an older Jerry Jones can. But what I learned was San Francisco is not as bad as they played yesterday. Brock Purdy, we know, can have pedestrian moments, make a few bad decisions here and there. But when they had to have it at the end of the game, he drove that team down and got the winning touchdown. They've got the best player in the NFL in Christian McCaffrey. Debo Samuels went out early in that game. That hurt them. They still found a way to win. Brandon Ayuk is still an elite receiver. Jennings stepped up. Kittle dropped a big pass, but he made the catches that he had to. And even though he's getting into his mid-30s, he's still got enough gas left in the tank for this season's run. That is for sure. And this the defensive, the, the real expensive defensive line of the 49ers has to play better. I need to hear Joey Bosa's name called a lot more than it is. But you see Fred Warner and Greenway. I mean, my God, who the hell? Two interceptions yesterday. The only thing he did wrong was not get down at the end of the game. But I guess him and Fred Warner had joked around about him scoring a touchdown or something, a pick six. But either way. The 49ers had three weeks where they haven't had really a meaningless game. Even the end of the season game against the Rams wasn't that meaningful for them. They weren't going to lose the number one seed. So Green Bay finally got back to playing football yesterday, and my fear is that that close game woke them up, and they will definitely be ready for next week, whether it be the Lions or the Buccaneers. It won't be the same San Francisco 49er team that we saw yesterday. I think they will be better and play better. Um it doesn't bode well for whoever goes in there. I think they're pound for pound the best team in the NFC. I think the Lions can play with anybody. Obviously, I'm trying really hard not to let my heart rule my head here, uh, but I think that they're going to be really tough. But what I saw yesterday is the one team nobody wants to play is the Baltimore Ravens. Lamar Jackson is just elite. There's not even a better word for the guy. He is elite. There are times when I watch him with the football, and it's like a man playing amongst boys. I mean, he just is that talented. He is that elusive. He is that difficult to bring to the ground. And as long as he stays upright, it is going to be very, very difficult for anyone to to, to oust the Baltimore Ravens. I just think they are that good at a football team, and if you're a Lions fan like I am, you're, you're kind of praying that maybe Baltimore, you know, I was thinking, well, God, Kansas City and Buffalo beat the hell out of each other in that freezing weather up in Buffalo. Maybe I don't want them to because I want them to have enough left gas left in the tank to play against the Ravens next week because that team, to me, is not, I, I don't like the word juggernaut. I don't think there's a juggernaut team, but they're as close to a juggernaut in the NFL right now as anybody, Spencer. They're playing very, very well. Their defense, once again, it's just something that John Harbaugh has really been a 
He's been an orchestrator of good defense his entire career. I think he learned a lot, you know, um, you know, over the over the past years. And having a guy like Ray Lewis for a while in his career definitely doesn't help and helps you learn defense better because that's one of the greatest defensive players that's ever played the game. John Harbaugh is a really good coach, and this defense is clicking on all cylinders. Their skilled position players might be a little bit aged, and, and especially without Mark Andrews, who's probably their best receiver. It doesn't matter as long as, again, I'm being redundant, but as long as Lamar Jackson stays upright, I just don't see the Ravens going down. I think we see them celebrating in Las Vegas in a few weeks. I, I hope I'm wrong. Obviously, the Lions fan than them, but I'm just being real. It really looks like the Ravens and the set 49ers are on a collision course, which everyone thought, again, and can the 49ers play better against them a second time around in a neutral site? We'll see. But again, that's still be determined, and I'm still going to believe the Detroit Lions can do what they need to do to get there. Uh, you know, again, we, we the, the Chiefs and the Bills game today um, – I think is going to be what it's what it's built up to be. It's going to be a really cold game there. Both these teams are playing better, probably their best football right now. Kansas City, that win against Miami should give them confidence last week in the Ice Bowl there in Kansas City. And Buffalo, of course, they, they were in the middle of the season talking about not even being a playoff team. And I think uh, it was taken to heart. I think Josh Allen took to heart some of the criticism against him. And this team's playing really well. They've got some good skilled position. The big problem with Buffalo is their defense is, is, is pedestrian. And try playing the Ravens with pedestrian defense. I think KC might have the best chance to sh- play the Ravens just just because they've got so much postseason experience. Not that Buffalo doesn't the last couple of years, but KC's played in, what, three Super Bowls now? I mean, that's a team that's loaded with playoff experience. Even though they're depleted a little bit in the skill position area, you still got Patrick Mahomes. You still got Travis Kelsey. Um, you know, you, you still got Smith. You, this team is is good, and uh, and I think that they may pose the best threat for Baltimore. And the last one is, you know, just talking about the Houston Texans, hats off and, and more than a golf clap to what C.J. Stroud did as a rookie there. Mag and I a couple weeks ago said we felt that the that the team the unsung team would probably be the Houston Texans to make the playoffs they were and they even won a game against Cleveland and I thought Cleveland because of their defense was the only team that would be able to potentially play with and beat the Ravens unfortunately Cleveland probably still needed the quarterback that's playing against the Lions today I think if they have Baker Mayfield still on the Browns Cleveland might have been a little bit of a different team you brought back an aged at agent and finished Joe Flacco and he did the best he could be Listen, enough of all that. I want to get to talking about what I'm here in Detroit for and uh, and about the fact this segment. So I will say before we hit it, uh, fact this is brought to you by Lifelike Hair Center of Las Vegas. If you're experiencing hair loss or thinning hair and want to learn about the best non-surgical options available, call 702-737-5759 or go to lifelikehair.com and schedule your free consultation today. Facts this. If you don't like the facts, take your ass back to bed. Fact this. So, um, this place is special to me, and like I just said, these people are special. Um, that's the best home atmosphere I've ever played in front of. Um, and I expect next week to be you know, on top of that or second, you know. And, uh, it, it's, it's a special place to play, and, and I've only been here for three years, but to see us come from where we were to where we are now and, and the fans um, endure some of that. Um, it, it's it's special to be able to get this W for them and, and for this group and all. You know, Jared Goff, and next week is here. It's today now, and that was last week. And, you know, he came into the press conference and was overwhelmed with emotions. I kind of alluded to that a little early in the show. And, um, wow, 
uh, you know, it was wild there. I was watching the game. If you go to my Facebook page, you'll be able to see I did about 90 seconds on Facebook Live when the Lions and the Rams first took the field. And so you could hear them boo Matthew Stafford. And you can hear me boo Matthew Stafford, which is crazy, but I did. And the craziest thing was the electricity in Detroit. When you're in an atmosphere and an environment like this, it's, it's amazing if you've never been in one. you got to get to a game of this magnitude where everyone is just going crazy and you feel the electricity in the air. My, my, the hair on my arms was literally standing up at Ford Field last week. I elected not to watch the game from the press box and go down. A friend of mine got me a seat, 35-yard line, eight rows off the field. I had to watch the game from there and enjoy it as a fan last week. Today, I'll be in the press box the majority of it. Actually, I'll probably walk around a little bit. But um, the point is, is that um, I experienced something that was just incredible. Again, it reminded me of 91. And again, people say, well, you've had Red Wings, four Stanley Cups, three NBA championships, the Tigers back in 84, if you want to go way back to 68. But 84 Tigers are the closest thing I've seen to what I see here because um, this is magical. It's the NFL. The NFL is unlike any other sport. Don't tell me it's comparable to the other three because it's not. In basketball and in hockey, you play 82 games. In baseball, you play 162. You play 17 in the NFL. Every week is an event. It is instrumentally, instrumentally, I should say, important. Um, The the Detroit, you know, you do look at these games. When you do the math, one loss in the NFL is equivalent to an eight-game losing streak in the NHL or the NBA, and it's equivalent to a 13-game losing streak in Major League Baseball. I mean, you you, you endure a, a streak like that, it's horrible, but that's just one loss in the NFL. These games are incredibly important. There's nothing like it, and that's why it is such an electric atmosphere when you're at one of these games. And what I was telling you, what I was about to say is when I was doing the Facebook Live, the fans started yelling Jared Goff. I'd never heard that in Detroit before on TV or in person, and um, I started yelling with them. And after the third time I yelled Jared Goff, I caught myself and even said in the video, I can't believe I just yelled Jared Goff, but that is what you get caught up in. The electricity literally takes over you. I mean, it's not a leaving your body experience, but it's a unique experience and it's really cool. Um, but real quick, with as far as a uh, fact, this goes, it is a fact, win or lose, the Detroit Lions are once again making history today. And this is because for the first time in the Super Bowl era today, they will be hosting a second playoff game uh, in, the, in the same season. Never happened before. If they win this, they'll have won two playoff games in a season and go to a third. They've never been to a third playoff game in the same season in the Super Bowl era. That is going on 60 years. And last time the Lions won anything significant was in 1957. They won an NFL championship. And their quarterback was Bobby Lane, their star linebacker, who's a Hall of Famer, Joe Schmidt. A lot of these names, unless you're a Detroit fan, you won't even remember or have never heard of, so I'm not going to waste your time with them. But this game is enormous. It's huge. And last week, I don't want to miss out on this, and we don't have a lot of time, so Spencer, you got to play it right now because we got to get the pick segment. We might have to cut it off, but i got a chance to talk to Jack Campbell after last week's game. This is the rookie linebacker and what he had to say. What a great kid. Jack, I'll just let you tell how you're feeling right now. Yeah, no, it's, it's, it's indescribable. Um, this city deserves everything that it's got. Um, but again, it's, it's one game at a time. Um, not Never too high, never too low. But again, a playoff win in the NFL. As a rookie, I just feel very fortunate to be a part of this. You still feel like a rookie? Uh, no, <laughs> I mean, everyone's like, in the building. I'm still the rookie, but um, now that I got so many bad games under my belt, there's no more, like, youth isn't an excuse now. Like, in the NFL, uh, everyone's got to be playing at the high level. Uh, I'll never forget, like, right when I got there, just uh, how uh, Coach Campbell said, 
uh, just the young guys drive the team. Um, just because like, you can't be you can't be complacent. Uh, you can never be satisfied. And the young guys usually coming in learning a new scheme. You, you just got to catch up. We got to get them up to speed. And, um, so I would just say like for me, I kind of took that to heart. And, I've just been doing everything in my power, uh, preparation wise, and just how I play. It's just put to just help the defense in any ways I can. You know this game. All right, I guess we're running low on time, Spence. Oh, you there? Yeah, sorry, Brian. We are running low on time. I just okay, want to well, no, we'll, we'll, I'll try to play that for you in the future. Yeah, we'll, I'll put it up. Next, it's up yeah. on my Facebook page. You can see it there. But Jack Campbell, a great guy. He's excited and talked very highly of, obviously, Dan Campbell and what he's done for this team and organization, how much he's meant to him and the players. Listen, let's bring in the scooper. I know we've got our, our pick segment a lot, a lot of time. Scooper, I can see he's out and about and walking around. But before I get to the scooper, I just want to say, scooper with uh, – with um, the playoffs going on, we've got this week, we've got the NFC next week, we'll get both games, and then the Super Bowl. Only a few games left to pick. you got a one-game lead over Magnum, a game-and-a-half lead over me. Spencer's picking for fun now because Spencer uh, is out of the running, but we're still all alive. So you are the number one guy. You get the pick first, and that might change what I pick. So what you got for me, Scoop? Yeah, coming to you from rainy Las Vegas here. I'm going to go with uh, the Kansas City Chiefs today. Um, it's looking like two-and-a-half juice. I got a Chief 3. I think this game comes down to the wire. Getting a feeling Buffalo wins but doesn't cover. But, uh, you know, slim margins here. I'm going to take the points with Kansas City. All right, Scooper's got KC, and I think that's a good pick, Scoop. I think that, uh, you know, KC, the most playoff experience and, and deep playoff experience left out of all the teams in here. And I think there is something to be said about that when you get to the postseason. So I'm not opposed to that pick at all. You know, I got to be a homer right now. So I'll go with my Magnum. I'm going to give Magnum the second pick. And uh, Magnum took um, Magnum took went against the Lions, as he did last week. Last week he won doing it. He took the Bucks getting the six points here in Detroit, and I'm going head-to-head against Magnum again. I should go head-to-head against you, but I don't like the Bills enough to go head-to-head against you. So I'm going to go, and I'm going to take the Lions minus six. I don't want to jinx them, guys, but I'll tell you this much right now. I see this being a two-touchdown plus game. If I'm being not thinking rational, I know the Bucks are going to be tough. I know we shouldn't overlook them. Baker Mayfield's playing at the highest level he can play at. Mike Evans is an elite wide receiver. This is a good team, and their defense is maybe underrated. But I just think the Lions last week they had to scare against the Rams, and I think this week they come in and blow out the Buccaneers. I hope I'm right. I hope I didn't just jinx them, but that's what I'm going with. So I'm going to take the Bucks. Spence, what do you got for me? Well, I think that leaves me with the Buffalo Bills. I guess I'll take the Buffalo Bills at home to finally get revenge in the playoff against the Kansas City Chiefs. All right, Spencer's trying to make a run. He's one of those guys. He wants to have a cigar at the end of the season like the Raiders did, even though he's not going to make the postseason or get the free lunch. He'll be part of the guys buying it. But appreciate you all as, as good good picks. And uh, Jared, I didn't get him on the air. Jared Justice knows about much sports as anybody in that building. Too bad we didn't get Jared on. Hopefully next time I do the show, we'll get some of his insights on because I do respect them and appreciate them. Once again, I want to thank the Scooper for joining the show. Always, Spencer, wouldn't know what I would do without the Wiz. I would thank Pete Kerplevich, but he never called, so i got to kick him in the ass when I see him. And hopefully next week we'll have Eric Kramer on the show, another quarterback that won. And Eric's got a great story and a new book out, and we'll be promoting that for him and talking to Eric next week on the show. All I can say, I can say it on my show, Go Lions!